So yesterday we're talking about this potential Apple car. We're talking about this uh, meetup that may have taken place in an alternate universe, reality, dimension, but did not take place in this one, this meeting of the minds between Elon Musk and Tim Cook. Apparently, Elon Musk reached out to Tim Cook uh, in the early days of the Model 3, talked about potentially having Apple acquire Tesla for one-tenth of the current value. Mm-hmm. Uh, that did not take place. Apple probably does not care. And the rumor now is that they'll launch their own electric vehicle in 2024. That's the rumor currently. However, in the meantime, uh, Elon has experimented with a variety of companies, not just electric cars. Tesla, the most well-known of the bunch, but he's got a lot of stuff going on, including SpaceX, uh, the Boring Company. Sometimes you wear the hat. It says the Boring Company on it. Yeah, not today. Not today. Neuralink. Starlink. Does he still have a solar city? Or is that solar yeah, he's city? probably solar something going on. Yeah. Among a variety of other things, I'm sure, that maybe people are less talked about and, and things that he's working on. But uh, obviously, I guess a, a serial entrepreneur, maybe you might call it. Mm-hmm. He's interested in a lot of different things. And so recently, there was a suggestion took place on oh, OpenAI is in there. Look at this. It's hard to keep it all together. Anyway, there was a suggestion that took place on Twitter from a Tesla investor who said, who actually has the name Dave Lee, by the way. Oh, shout out. It's not the Dave Lee that we know, but nonetheless, I propose Elon Musk to form a holding company called X. How cool is that? Mm. Well, what's the name of your company? X. Mm. It's, it's immediately... Uh, futuristic and mysterious. That's what X does for you. X's mission, this is again part of the tweet and the suggestion, X's mission is to ensure human survival and progress. That's the only mission. X X becomes the parent company of Tesla, SpaceX, Neuralink, Boring Company. Elon, what do you think? And once again, we have Elon making news with just a quick little reply. Good idea, December 23rd. And uh, just like that, what do you get? 48,000 likes on the tweet. <laughs> anyway, so he's open to the idea. And uh, you obviously uh, remember the story with, uh, not the story, but the development with Google becoming Alphabet and then and then Alphabet being the parent company of this variety of companies underneath. So I guess it would be a similar structure, a similar idea to something like that. However, uh, I'm not certain... I'm not sure why this wouldn't have been done already. There must be some kind of advantage to having these all uh, broken out individually. There's a suggestion here that in uh, in the case of Starlink, they were considering an independent IPO for that company on its own. That could be a huge company on its own, talking about uh, bringing internet to, to locations through via satellite that were uh, previously underserviced. So I don't know about the advantages, disadvantages, but it would, it does seem like a tidy way to bring all of the uh, uh, brands and missions. All of the missions in line 
to but to to bring the insight to bring to potentially bring the talent into a play into more of an overlap where now you may have technologies and uh, advancements that take place under one heading bleeding more easily into another so yeah. like so there's different wings well we've already heard about this right with was it the cyber truck they're like oh the steel on the cyber truck we learned about in spacex and and then you could imagine, oh, our AI discovery through autonomous on Tesla, we're using that in, in, uh, when we're working Neuralink. on Neuralink. Yeah. And I'm sure this is happening already, but not in, uh, in an official way. So that feels good. But also from a public facing, strictly from a marketing perspective, yes. and this is the part that I think you responded to, the idea of a company so this diversified with this overarching agenda, which feels uh, uh, nice and uh, warm and fuzzy, like to ensure human survival and progress, period. Yeah. Something like that, which applies then to all of the uh, variety of companies underneath that heading. There's something nice about that from a marketing perspective. So I can see the appeal from that standpoint, but I'm guessing that there's also risk factors involved in cre creating these enormous conglomerates. You can imagine the board of Tesla and the publicly traded aspect of it creating some complexity in, oh, I just want to put it on this parent cup. Just give me, you know. Yeah, it becomes a civil war. Let me do this exactly thing real opposite. quick. And they're like, actually, no, because your other companies are. Yeah. Anyway, nonetheless. Uh, for the marketing alone, I think it would be pretty cool. Mm -hmm. I don't know if X is the right name, but uh, we'll see what develops for Tesla and Elon's other companies. Today's sponsor, DoorDash. You know, you get the holidays coming up here, Will. This is actually our last episode before the holidays. Yeah. So uh, uh, happy holidays, whatever it is that, that you're celebrating. Uh, Merry Christmas to those that celebrate. Uh, happy Hanukkah, although I guess Hanukkah is probably at the end. It's nearing the end. Yeah. It's almost over. It's been going on for a while. Anyway, nonetheless, happy holidays to, to everybody that's out there. Now, uh, obviously, this holiday is going to be a little different than usual. You have, I mean, some people are still traveling, but many people are attempting to condense, to compact their celebrations to a certain degree because of the uh, global situation. Some people might be just kicking it solo, Will. Some people might be kicking it with, a, you know, by themselves and, and you have uh, uh, you have services like DoorDash that can help you do so without oh, yeah. starving because you probably still want to grab some food. Yeah, you know, during this time, you don't want to go to the grocery <laughs> store to buy. Well, you want to have a nice cooked meal. I don't yeah, know. Maybe there's some restaurants on DoorDash that are actually serving up some holiday favorites. Yeah. I don't know, but there's such a huge variety of foods on there. I wouldn't be surprised. Uh, of course, you can find everything from burritos to breakfast. I like to buy bagels on there. Uh, burgers are there. It's a, such a variety of things to choose from. So whatever is your comfort food that you uh, that you want to order up over the holidays, guess what is probably going to be there. I mean, you even got Bob's Liquor on there if you need a, a quick run on uh, some beverages for your holiday celebration. There's over 300,000 partners in the U.S., Puerto Rico, Canada, and Australia. DoorDash is my food delivery service of choice. I use it all the time. Used it yesterday. 
Uh, your local go-tos are on there. There's also the national restaurants like Chipotle, Wendy's, and the Cheesecake Factory. It comes right to your door. It's super quick delivery. It's painless. And, you know, maybe you are having a mini get-together, right? You are having a mini get-together, but you weren't able to secure the ingredients for your big meal. You could also hook it up via DoorDash. You could supplement. You can may maybe you order dessert or something like that. Mm -hmm. You know what I'm saying? If you couldn't get your hands on. So DoorDash can help you out in a lot of different ways and make your life easier. And uh, if you're very busy, this can be very helpful. Right now, you can get $5 off and zero delivery fees on your fir first order because you are a fan of this show. Lou Later, all you have to do is download the DoorDash app and enter the code Lou Later. That's $5 off and zero delivery fees on your first order when you download the DoorDash app in the App Store and enter the code Lou Later. Don't forget the Lou Later part. It's what gives you your five bucks and... It's also what lets DoorDash know uh, where you came from and what you're a fan of, which is this show, because you're at this show. And Willie Doo's hovering over an egg witch right oh, now, which fan. is a burger uh, with an egg as well. And uh, maybe that's what he's going to be having this holiday season. Mm -hmm. Maybe that's Willie Doo's gift to himself oh, via yeah. DoorDash. Maybe too. Apple's iPhone 12 ranked best-selling 5G smartphone. This is coming from our friends over at CounterPoint Research. And uh, the article here on Hype Beast, you didn't expect to see this on Hype Beast. Well, that caught your no, attention. Yeah. yeah, that caught your attention. No, phone, phones, tech is now a hype. It's, it's, it's within I the so, spectrum yeah. of hype, believe it or not. Apple's iPhone 12 became the world's best-selling 5G smartphone in October, despite having only two weeks of sales across the month. And like I said, this is according to CounterPoint Research. These guys have been on point in the past, mm. providing us with tr uh, tremendous data on the smartphone marketplace. Now, this is not really all that surprising, seeing as how the uh, adoption of 5G, particularly in the US market, North American market, hasn't been all that quick, even though we've had a variety of 5G devices available. It's really the networks that aren't quite ready for it. We had a story on the last episode about how 5G really wasn't delivering much beyond 4G in many markets in, in the US on a variety of carriers. It really needs to catch up, but at least people who are picking it up now are a little bit future-proofed, and it turns out that many of those people who are ready for 5G are going to be on iPhones because the iPhone 12 is the first uh, or the most popular 5G release according to this particular data, and that doesn't actually include the 12 Pro, which is also on the list, and it came in second place on the monthly rankings ahead of the Galaxy Note 20 Ultra 5G, which is... Uh, obviously an older phone at this point, so not too much of a surprise there. But uh, yeah, anyways, the iPhone 12 is popular. I, I We bought 100, so yeah, there's a bunch of 5G phones right there that we did for the giveaway. Uh, and that's the global charts for October, by the way. So oh, okay. it's not for, they don't we don't have data for the entire year or anything like that. This may change as time passes, but for now, uh, there's, a, there's a couple of iPhone 12s out there. Mm-hmm. Speaking of Apple and that Apple car that I referenced earlier, Jim Cramer, the uh, the analyst known for his show Mad Money, which you may or may not have seen in the past, he tells you which stocks to buy, which ones to avoid. He tells you how he's feeling. Uh, anyway, he is excited about the prospect of an Apple car. He says the upside could be enormous. Uh, here are some quotes. 
An electric vehicle merely gives you one more reason to own Apple, not trade it. Hopefully everyone will forget this story tomorrow and the stock will sell off, giving you another chance to buy into weakness. Mm. So he's saying, that's a, that's a real hard thing to report. You're saying, hopefully people don't listen to my advice right now so you watching this can get a good deal on it. Yeah, It's kind of an interesting conundrum to find yourself. But uh, anyway, I'm sure plenty of people will take his advice and I'm not sure people even need his advice to buy Apple. Plenty of people uh, have no problem buying Apple to begin with, uh, we know Apple likes to disrupt big end markets and it doesn't get any bigger than the auto industry. That is true. That is a big market ripe for disruption about to make a major shift into the electric realm. We see it happening uh, as far as the traditional automakers are concerned. We see it happening happening as far as Tesla's concerned. And we see it happening as far as all the other electric startups. My goodness. Mm -hmm. Uh, the Rivians and what was the one year Bollinger. The, uh, Bollinger we're trying to shout out Bollinger uh, we're going to get our hands on one of these rugged ones I want one of those but it's still a delay to get to get one apparently Yeah. but they're going to uh, bring one to our studio so uh, that's going to be very exciting look at these things those are so cool anyway so obviously the world is about to take a big turn and who's going to be along for the ride well Sounds like Apple wants to be, according to these reports. And, well, you know investors got to pay attention because the potential upside is enormous. And and Jim Cramer just happens to be pointing that out. Mm -hmm. So, uh, yeah, I guess if you are if you have some cash kicking around, you're looking for stock to purchase, I'm guessing that Apple and Tesla are probably on your list. Mm -hmm. And uh, they're set up for some type of eventual collision course. This is all automotive metaphors. It's all floating and flying around, but it's a good one. Uh, but but Tesla's a bit tougher right now. That's like a seven hundred dollar share at the moment. Yeah. I think it's like flying. So maybe you just want to buy Apple in preparation of this twenty twenty four thing and count your money, or or don't, or just stand by and watch. It's up to you. Bitcoin. Bitcoin. <laughs> Might as well. Uh, here's a here's an, another Apple development coming via the Wall Street Journal. Apple's China App Store sheds more video games as Beijing tightens internet control. We have uh, been exposed to a number of stories like this about how some change took place recently where, uh, well, well, basically, it seems Beijing got more strict about how Apple polices or doesn't police their app store there locally. We know that there's a little bit of control, just a, just a tiny bit of control over how the internet operates in China via the Chinese government. And uh, I don't know if they just weren't paying attention or if they didn't care if they were making concessions, but recently they have uh, made it more strict. They've required licenses for apps that have to be acquired directly from the government. And not all apps are capable of, of getting these licenses or have done the work necessary in order to do so. And as a result, it's re, it's uh, the consequences. They're getting wiped from the app store. Now, it's not like the Chinese government can reach out and wipe the apps. They have to go tell Apple, due to our local restriction, here's our list of apps we want you to get rid of, and then they're gone. And so there are critics that say, well, including, I believe, the writer of this article that's saying that Apple is sort of, uh, bending over backwards for the Chinese government where they should be putting up a fight for the uh, the apps that 
seemingly haven't broken any rules outside of this uh, this new license restriction. Mm. Uh, but 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 we all know that doing business in China is a little bit different in that sense that there has to be this approval process, and every region has its own rules and restrictions. It's not exclusive to China. It just tends to be the most uh, elaborate. The governed? Mo- yeah, it just it's, it's very governed. Yeah. Well said. <laughs> that's, a way, that's a way of saying it. It's very governed. Uh, some examples, even, and it's not necessarily just Chinese apps that are getting wiped. Apps like TripAdvisor yeah. have been removed from the Apple App Store in the country. TripAdvisor did not respond for a comment on this particular article. Now, the consequence of this is actually uh, Apple's revenue in China has fallen since 2015. Mm. It, I guess it peaked close to $60 billion at, at that time. And uh, this this obviously hurts the App Store. I mean, it, takes, it lowers the inventory substantially. And, and uh, um, you can't, you, you wouldn't, Apple already has such stringent restrictions on what ends up in the App Store. You have to believe that these pre-existing apps at least passed Apple's criteria for whatever their privacy and, and all the rest of it would happen to be. So you can't help but wonder what is wrong with these apps that the Chinese government wants them gone mm-hmm. and uh, how connected is Apple to the conversation or are they just like, forget it, I don't know, they want them gone, get them gone. It's a, it's a, curious, it's a curious conversation. Apple had 272,000 games in, in the China App Store last year and for 2020, at least 94,000 removals from the China store. That's a huge percentage. Mm-hmm. And so I guess the Chinese government just wants to see anything that's going to end up on that app store. And for the time being, it appears that Apple is going to comply, regardless of what you think about it locally and whether or not they should mm. comply. But they're complying for now. Square, that's the... Uh, payment company started by the founder of Twitter, Jack Dorsey. They're in talks to buy Jay-Z's title. This is a new report. Title, the music streaming service touting uh, high quality high quality and artist ownership. It right. was Rihanna and uh, Jay-Z and Coldplay. I mean, it's, the artists own a big chunk of it. Anyway, I don't know if it really took off. They haven't shared their figures in a, a long period. Uh, I believe the last time was uh, in 2015, 2015, 2016. They shared their user numbers. So people are have been questioning the viability. Originally, one of the major polls was Jay-Z's own library of music, considering his investment in the service. However, about a year ago, he made his catalog available again on Spotify. Mm. And then that led people to question, wait a second, are we at the tail end of title here? Well, anyway, Dorsey is apparently pals with Jay-Z. He's been spotted a couple different occasions, Jay-Z and Beyonce, including recently in Hawaii, and also Sean Penn was pictured with them, Oh, whatever that means. Yeah. <laughs> They're pals too, I guess. Yeah. Uh, anyway, so then this, these rumors start that, that uh, maybe Dorsey's interested in title and wanting to diversify the Square brand and turn into a, a series of companies under that brand. They already have two separate ent- entities inside of Square. There's the Square Payments team that 
is uh, interested in accepting payments within stores and things like this. And then there's the Cash App, which I'm sure you've heard of. They're paying everybody to promote their product. The, you're hearing Cash App ads inside of songs. I was listening to that song. Oh, really? Well, the song, am I crazy? Is it, or it's not, it can't be a coincidence that the, I think Roddy Rich has a multitude of tracks saying Cash App in it. And I, I can't imagine that, it, that that's free for Cash App. I don't know, man. Yeah. I, I, Could be. Am I crazy right now? I mean, let's fact check this. Cash app Roddy Rich. Uh, why does Roddy Rich say cash app in a lot of his music? Is it a sponsorship like Post Malone and Bud Light? Uh, yeah, so I'm not the only one who's noticed this. I, I don't... This is where the disclosure stuff gets really weird and rap music and... I mean, you have tons of guys talking about their shoe sponsorships and they don't, so I don't know. But either way, Cash App has been promoting itself like crazy and yeah. uh, presumably adding a tremendous number of users. But inside of Square, they're kind of run a little bit separately. So then you figure out, well, how would you merge title in there? Could you get recurring payments for the subscriptions? Is that interesting or... It's hard to see the crossover, but uh, it be like management. Everybody, like everybody who is in a position like Dorsey, is looking for ways to distribute their risk to be involved in a number of businesses. Yeah, he but seems like the guy. He's another one of the stuff. guys. He's another yeah. one of those guys. So maybe that's all it is. Is it's just trying to do something with the streaming service. Uh, Jay Z bought title from Europe-based Aspero in 2015 in a deal valued at slightly more than 56 million was the deal originally. Owners currently include high-profile artists, Madonna, Rihanna, and Beyonce. Hmm. That kind of makes sense. Uh, anyways, we'll see, we'll see what happens. We'll see what develops, but we'll also likely prepare ourselves for more photos of uh, Jack Dorsey, Sean Penn, Jay-Z, and Beyonce in Hawaii. Oh, yeah. You also got to prepare yourself for that. On Twitter. That's right. Uh, Kentucky officials use robot deer to catch a man accused of poaching. Poaching, there's rules around hunting, Will. I know you know this. You can't just get out there and start firing it at uh, animals, uh, no. deer, caribou, and you such, turkeys. Yeah, there's rules. Oh. Fish and game, man. Get it together, Will. Yeah. And so you need a tag, and you have to report... I guess there are some open seasons, but you need to report if you have, because uh, they, they manage the volume of animals. So if yep. you have deer, for example, the fish and game in that region wants to know how many deer you have uh, one year to the next mm -hmm. to maintain the population, whatever the healthy population happens to be. Well, some people, they don't want to follow the rules. They just want to do it on their own terms, not report it. And uh, and also use tactics that are not deemed to be legal tactics. One of those is actually to use artificial light out of your vehicle to stun an animal and make it easier to shoot them. Because then, hmm. again, you would you would that degree of advantage would increase would decrease the population too quickly. So you create these rules like this. Hmm. Anyway, so this guy had been going around 
flashing a, a light on a deer from his vehicle and then boom firing at that moment which is illegal so what the what the local authorities do in order to catch individuals like this is they employ a robotic deer so it seems like a real deer but it's not a real deer is that the guy that's the guy right there yeah Whoa. and I, I don't know if the robotic deer has cameras or not but i guess that the authorities are just ready if anyone tries to take a shot at it they're ready to go and to respond. And that's exactly what this guy did. And when the authorities approached him, they also found that, I believe, I think he had methamphetamine and mm. a bunch of other stuff going looks on. Like, so yeah. uh, he was uh, subsequently charged with spotlighting, possession of paraphernalia, possession of a controlled substance, illegal taking or pursuing of deer or wild turkey, hunting or trapping without a license or permit, and littering. Throw the littering one in there. He's just throwing his trash out of the car, too. So, anyway, he had a lot going on, but it's interesting. I never knew that they employed robotic deer in order to... But how else would you do it? Yeah. Because you got to catch the person in the act, and they're not going to take a shot if a deer it doesn't look like a deer. Yeah. So, wow, robot deers are out there. Be aware if you're not going to follow the guidelines. I'm guessing it would look like a deer. Like I'm this. guessing a robot deer looks like a deer. Yeah. Yeah, yeah I'm yeah. guessing. Yeah. Uh, here's another cool one. New details unveiled about a 57,000-year-old wolf pup discovered frozen solid in the Yukon in canada just up north well hmm. uh 57,000 year, years old that's incredible what a little bit of frost can do this is so well preserved you can see i mean the teeth are there the hair is there actually the only thing gone will in this uh, mummification process here is the eyes yeah that's it everything else is there the whole skeleton now they've been trying to figure out how old it is and they were trying to, you know, gather whatever information they could. 57,000 years is a long time. And they believe it's a seven-week-old female pup that died in her den when the den collapsed. It actually didn't starve mm. to death. The den collapsed, crushed it, and then that's actually what encapsulated it mm. uh, so that it's so well-preserved at the moment. And uh, they also discovered something interesting, which was the diet... They assumed, okay, maybe uh, a wolf uh, 57,000 years ago, maybe wolves would have been feasting on uh, land game, mm -hmm. deer, whatever, things like this. However, the diet of this particular pup was fish. Fish? Possibly salmon, in fact. Oh. So that's kind of interesting as well. I don't know if the pup of this age would be doing the hunting itself or if the the mother or the pack would be responsible, but they found remnants, I suppose, of uh, of fish in the in the intestines of of the animal. They were able to use x-rays of the teeth and bones to confirm its age and DNA sampling, oxygen isotope analysis to figure out when it died. It is the most complete wolf mummy that's ever been found. Wow. It, it looks uh, well-preserved, really well. That's crazy, you know? right? Yeah. Like the fur is still there and you can see like the anatomy of it. Yeah. Very cool. And, so, uh, and it, it's also unique because these really old wolves are typically found in uh, Siberia and Russia. 
mm. and not so much in North America. Mm. So it makes the finding even uh, more exclusive from that standpoint. It's it's northern part of Canada up in Yukon there. So super interesting stuff. It's amazing. Look at that. It's uh, Pepper's ancestor. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. It's weird as well. I don't know if the color has changed over time, but it looks quite brown. Oh, yeah, the colors. Uh, I don't know still. if the color changed over time. It looks so well-preserved that I doubt it, but it's a very, it's kind of a nice brown color, almost like this desk right here. Is it like a, was it a timber wolf? What was it again? What kind of wolf? I mean, they it? just say wolf. They don't oh. say exactly uh, which type of wolf, but anyway, super cool. Yeah, Seven weeks cool. old. Science. Amazing you can still make discoveries like that. Mm -hmm. All right, it's time to talk about the holidays and and holiday travel and because we're about to approach it right now first article i have here is somebody trying to make the most of their holiday by traveling to disney world and recognizing that it was not worth it i didn't even know that disney world was open back up but a lot of people are wondering what can you do what can't you do as far as this covid situation is concerned and what's worthwhile to do? Because obviously when you start uh, jamming enough restrictions into something, you can kind of take the fun out of it to a certain extent. Disney World is supposed to be this magical place, Will. I'm not, I'm, yeah. And by the way, I mean, do, what, do whatever you feel you should do. But part of the appeal, or at least the way I perceive it, of Disney World is that you kind of get lost in yeah. the experience. It's a magical place. And it's hard to get lost when you're when you're talking about the sanitizers and the distance rules and the lineups and the, you're constantly have this reference point of, of reality. Hmm. And, and so anyway, that's my opinion, but it's all, it seems to also be the opinion of this particular author on insider. Uh, I visited Disney world, with my family, in November, the week after Thanksgiving, it was busier than expected. Uh, there was mask wearing encouraged, the theme park had uh, a number of necessary changes in the interest of safety, but he felt that it was still too crowded. There were many moments where you were in a big crowd and he was like, this is crazy right now. This is, probably shouldn't be like this. And ultimately decided that it wasn't worth it. The entire experience having gone, I suppose, acting as a warning to everyone else. Now, it's difficult to create this warning because it's like, hey, man, you got out of the house. You did it. You know, maybe you didn't enjoy it that much, but like I'm stuck over here type of thing. It's like, mm -hmm. is it's one of those things of do do as I say, not as I do. Right. So there's a limited amount of, I mean, you can take it however, whichever way you want. But if you were curious of what the state of affairs at Disney World is looking like, then it sounds like it's a little more crowded than you might imagine, mm -hmm. even though they have, because the premise, it kind of has to be. Right, like a theme park, an empty theme park is kind of exciting. That would be cool, but it's not feasible. Yeah. Right, and 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 in in a weird way, if it's lacking activity, it once again kind of loses. It's like a concert, but you're the only one. Like it's a it's a cool idea, uh -huh. but as far yeah. as actually doing it, it kind of kills the vibe a little bit. So, uh, the entire structure exists in such a fashion that you need crowds for it to make sense to operate mm -hmm. and they're trying to find whatever that line is that they can do it but uh it's questionable whether or not it's a worthwhile thing to do right now you might want to wait till things cool off vaccine on the horizon all this stuff 
Mm-hmm. Well, that brings to the next one. AAA expects 85 million, million Americans to travel over the holidays. <laughs> Raising fears of more viral spread. Tens of millions of people are expected to travel to family gatherings. This is why you've had, I mean, man, we got the local lockdown over here. Uh, I have I had plans that sort of changed as things developed in that way. And I think the suggestion now is to basically limit your contact period to like anyone. And it's just such a tough topic, man. It is such a tough topic. It is such an inherent and core part of the experience of being a human the the um your your being you know as far as being a human being is c- connected to the idea of interaction it's it, we are the communicating creature like it's what we do we mm-hmm. uh congregate and to to simply act as if what's the big deal what's your problem you're so dumb why do you why do you want to get together with people like just wait it out i think it's an oversimplification personally of the entire circumstance Mm -hmm. and i think it's actually more responsible and more realistic to say hey look i know that these things matter and are important to you and i know that the the entire experience of life is this constant transaction of risk and reward and trying to live an existence that's worthwhile and there's all kinds of other terrifying beasts that exist in the world that we have to confront Uh and that's just a difficult management process to to transmit the signal that this is simpler than it is i feel that that's it's not it's a little bit irresponsible now do i think 85 million americans uh should be hopping on airplanes and and all the rest given the state of things right now you know probably not i'm not doing it Mm -hmm. i'm not doing it but i'm also not convinced that well, obviously, I'm not convinced that spreading that message works. Mm-hmm. That that strong-arming people into a particular behavior can actually, in some cases, yield the alternative response. Mm-hmm. So it's obviously more complex than that. If you attempt to attack the core things that matter to a person, and it depends who, where and how this is happening, I think there's a lot of people on the internet that just have real difficulty putting themselves in somebody else's shoes. And I'm not talking about the people, I'm talking about everybody. Whether it's a whether it's a patient who actually has COVID or whether it's a person who's making the decision to go see their family on holidays. You have to be able to to some extent to put yourself in both shoes and to empathize with both positions mm-hmm. in order to come up with the best plan for how to engage both parties. Yeah. As opposed to pretending that one of the two is crazy and the other one is not. Yeah. It's and never the, black and white. The full polar situation, which actually pushes things further apart. Yeah. I guess. Both people are right. It's to what extent and to mm-hmm. what, in what way can both coexist and in what way can 
the impact be somewhat diminished. And in in once you get to that realization that both things can be true, then you start crafting a plan that maybe is better at encompassing all of it. I don't know. This is very complex. It's above what mm -hmm. what I do or we do here. Uh, I would say to the people of the world, whoever it is that happens to be watching this, do what you can. You yeah, you you try you your best. You know your current psychological state. You know what this holiday means to you. You know how much you need it, and you know who needs it. You know what I mean? Yeah, like everyone this is, has different levels. This is one of these things that I've seen in my life where some people might be able to get by with and by get by i mean from a psychological health perspective with just cutting everything off completely and just saying i am the ultimate covid warrior i don't need to see anybody ever right there's some people that psychologically are set up a little maybe a little bit better for that and then on the flip side of the spectrum there's people in certain demographics that are these minor interactions and potentials for seeing a person, seeing someone else, that they're really limited, limited time opportunities, uh -huh. and that they just maybe happen once a year or twice a year. And if you were to ask those people, if I take away this one moment, this one event, do you feel like having another year after that? Mm -hmm. And that's a reality too. And so you got to take as much of that into consideration as possible before you start. Uh, well, that's what I'm trying to trying to do. That feels like the most responsible approach to it. And, and when I talk about doing your best, I think I'm not necessarily just talking about your actions, but also talking about your, the amount of effort that you're willing to put into understanding these various needs across these this variety of groups that is not necessarily uniform hmm. well said happy holidays everyone do your best do your best